you're interviewing them as much as they're interviewing you. And you've done your research on the website. You've talked to somebody who works there. You know the, what the struggles are and how you might be able to help solve them. If you're able to construct a narrative around things that really matter, the things that you can really bring to the table and the value that you can add to their firm, and you can say that in an eloquent way, I think that those are the types of things that everybody would be impressed with and walk away from an interview feeling like, man, as long as you fit with the culture and the people in that firm, you have a really good shot at getting that position. Welcome to the ArchiSpeak podcast, the podcast for architects by architects, where we discuss all things about architecture. I'm Neil Pan. Each episode, Evan Troxel, Cormac Phelan, and me invite you in on the conversation as we talk about everything in the profession, both the good and the bad. Maybe you're considering a career in architecture, you're still in school, or you've been around the block more times than you'd like to admit. Join us in the studio as we gather around the water cooler and talk about this profession we call architecture. It's time for some Arca-Speak. Welcome to episode 38 of the Arca-Speak podcast. I'm Neil Pan. I'm Evan Troxell. And I'm Cormac Phelan. And to start this week off, I think, Evan, we have a friend of the show to announce. Yeah, this week we've got Marika McKeel, who donated $37, a repeat friend of the show, and uh, $37 because episode 37, uh, she was on it, and she just said that it was so much fun, and uh, multiple people have told her that it was the reason they want to be more involved with the AIA and or uh, attend the convention next year. So that's really great to hear. We had a lot of fun with that episode too. We got a lot of great feedback. It sounds like, you know, the the energy is still continuing even after the convention, which is a great sign that people are excited about where things are headed. And uh we're happy that we could talk to those all those fine people who we talked to last week. So uh thanks America. We really appreciate your donation to the podcast and uh thanks for again being a friend of the show. And if anybody else wants to be a friend of the show, if you go to arcaspeakpodcast.com slash donate, you can donate anything over $5 and you can become a friend of the show and get your name read on the show if you'd like. And we appreciate every donation. It really does help us continue with the podcast. And uh, another thing that we should mention is that we have a new, I guess you could kind of call it a sponsor, but um, we have uh, on the website, if you go to arcaspeakpodcast.com, and this is for all of you students out there or unlicensed professionals working in architecture, um, a friend of ours, David Doucette, has a great company called the Architect Exam Prep. And if you go to our website, you can actually support the podcast by using the link at arcaspeakpodcast.com slash A-R-E. If you go to that page and uh, use the link to go to his site, we get a percentage of every sale that he makes, and he does make some really great study materials. You can read testimonials and read all about them over on his site. Um, but um, I've heard great things about them, and uh, I've talked to David personally. I've been on his podcast as well. Um, so he's a, he's a stand-up guy, so we recommend his, 
his stuff. And we really appreciate his support of our podcast through this uh, little setup that he invited us to participate in. So everybody go check out arcuspeakpodcast.com slash A-R-E. And uh, if you end up picking up one of his study guides through there, we get a little bit of that back. So thanks, David. Yes, thank you. All right. Oh, and I, I can't not say that Neil Pan donated $5 to the show this last week. Oh. And, and actually, he asked Who to is be that guy? announced he sounds as like a cool old dude. Yeah, old man Pan. No, he no. He sounds like a cool dude. <laughs> Wait, I thought he asked for his money back. <laughs> he did. I want to All right. Okay, so since you guys opened that can of worms, let's, let's talk about why that happened. the first friend happened. of the show to ask for a refund. <laughs> oh, he's about to out, he's about to out somebody here. No, no, I, I'm not going to out. Uh, I'm, I won't out her. I'll take the, I'll take the, uh, the hit here. So, yes. I did donate $5 to the show, but it was in... Uh, to all in in fun to try and test out the system. <laughs> yeah, and actually, just to be just to say it uh, on the show, we did find a bug in the donation system, and so if people have tried to donate before but couldn't for some reason, um, it should all be fixed now. So we got we got it fixed throughout the whole system. Everybody with a Squarespace account can thank $5 us later. And it only cost us $5 of my money. <laughs> well, you donate five, you get your name read right on the show. So That's thanks, true. Neil. Yeah, hey, you know what? You're welcome. <laughs> hey, you know, you, we should also mention uh, our uh, Arcuspeak uh, show line, our hotline, uh, helpline, if in need be, at 415-484-8496. And Jess Stafford called in, um, showing us uh, or talking about uh, um you know, the uh, big time small firm group over on uh, Google Plus and uh, how uh, useful that is and how people are using that to kind of share information. And it's a really great resource um, for, for everyone. Yeah, and, and we recommend, you know, people go check that out, too. And thanks, yeah, Jess, for calling in. Thank you, Jess. Yeah, we uh, we mentioned last on last week's show, or I guess Mark LePage actually is the one who brought it up, was the um, Foresight Report that was published by the AIA. And in that report, it mentioned our podcast and it mentioned a, a bunch of friends of the show who we talked to on that show. So it mentioned Mark LePage, it men mentioned uh, Enoch Sears, um, quite a few people, Jess Stafford, big time small firm. And I think one of the things that Jess brought up in his voicemail was that everybody should read that Foresight Report. It's a PDF. It's available on the AIA's website. But the the cool thing is it really gives you an idea of what is going on in um, not only the AIA centric stuff, but just in the industry in general. And it, it's very well done. I really have to give them some uh, kudos there because the the report not only looks good, it's got great content. Obviously, it, it mentions some really cool people worth checking out. Um, and I think what, what Jess was also bringing up was that they mentioned that people at Big Time Small Firm, which is Jess's Google Plus community, um, are conversing about the profession but even more than that people are posting portfolios and getting feedback and they're talking about issues that they're dealing with um, how to work with clients of particular types and there's a lot of great advice being traded and there's people doing virtual studio work over uh, google plus through the hangout that they met there so it's it's really become a great resource for you know, just like just like the name says, big time small firms. So there's a lot of small firm architects on there who are um, 
getting stuff done um, through learning new things about business, but also um, working with each other. And it's pretty cool. So thanks, Jess, for calling in and mentioning that is definitely worth bringing up here for our audience because uh, everybody's invited. Just just go to Google Plus and look up Big Time Small Firm. And I think we can have a link to that in the show notes, right? So where, where do people find the show notes, Neil? They can get them in their email address, actually. Every week, they can be emailed to you. Just go to just about any page at com, And on the right-hand side, you can get the show. You can sign up to have the show notes emailed to you. So this week, well, I had, a, I had an interesting little experience. Uh, I actually went on a job interview. And um, won't probably go too much into that, but I wanted to use that as kind of a springboard to talk about you know, different things about what one maybe should present, you know, and I want to, I want to get your guys' opinions working in larger firms, um, you know, what you have seen people bring in or what you might recommend that they bring in to kind of show their work. And then also too, I, I want to, I want to touch on, cause it, there's a funny, funny story that we'll probably get to eventually is about, you know, maybe what to wear. Um, because I think that that may be a little different today than it might've been from in years past. And then also too, I want to uh, touch on some things to ask, you know, some things you should do to prepare before you go in, not just, you know, to show your work, but really kind of to investigate the firm that you're going to go talk to and some questions and some possible responses. Um, a number of years ago, I was coached by a recruiter for a job and got some great, uh, advice from him and uh so we'll i, I want to share that later on when we awesome. get to that part uh as well so so i want to start off by you know just talking about what it, actually i'm going to ask you guys first to kind of talk about what you have seen others maybe coming into your firms to do as an interview or if you've interviewed people you know what do you look for in their quote-unquote portfolio um i've been on I've been a part of uh, when we, you know, start getting resumes in, you know, looking through the stack to see who we, you know, who we'd potential interviews um, we'd like to set up. And so really I want to start with resumes because your interview actually starts with your resume. Let, let that, let me repeat that. Your interview starts with your resume. What I mean by that is that you're not going to get your phone call for that interview if your resume doesn't stand out, if it's poorly written, if you have typos. And oh my lord, have I seen so many typos. <laughs> Spell check. I can if see those do, typos before they come. <laughs> yes, you you will not believe how quickly and how easily it is to spot a typo. Um in your uh, in your resume and in it's amazing that nowadays with you know the the little red squiggly line that shows up underneath your uh, misspelled word how often that goes on you know ignored and it's amazing yeah um, you know and if you don't have the opportunity to have your own Evan Troxel reviewing your <laughs> yeah. um show notes your gra- I can start charging for that you could yeah send them to me uh-huh. I, you know i think sometimes uh 
students coming out of school maybe aren't using Microsoft Word with a squiggly red line. Maybe they're using uh, Adobe InDesign or Illustrator to lay out their portfolio, or not their portfolio, all but using their resume in more of a graphic manner. You guys, all of that, all of that has spell it, check is in there. <laughs> you yeah. you have even, to look for it though. Well, I think <laughs> you know we should also bring up that I mean spell check can can still get. You can still use the 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 wrong word spelled correctly, you know. And oh it, yeah, mistakes happen. We're all well, human, and um, but and but if the you're reason a bad speller like me, you know, they happen quite often. And so I think the the most important thing when you're talking about that is have someone else look at it. Yeah, definitely. I and, mean, and I mean, anybody. really, this this what this comes down to though is this is a detail oriented profession. Yeah, and right. this Absolutely. is this is the very first step to see. If you're capable of checking your work and making sure it's done correctly. Because nine times out of ten, if you're like our firm, you're not going to get an interview. I mean, unless there's something else in your uh, resume that just stands out. They're like, oh, let's overlook the fact that he misspelled his name. Let's get him in. (laughs) Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. You're, You're still, you know, that'll immediately disqualify you because that's kind of you know you you just hit the nail on the head we are a detail-oriented profession you know we we are we liable for mistakes we, yeah yeah we check and cross check and do all of this thing and and if your first and only document or your first your first impression that you're presenting is filled with errors and mistakes that's really doesn't say much about, you know, your ability to check and detail and, you know, do all of these other things, you know, and it may sound very trivial, but it really isn't. Well, because... this this goes against a uh, friend of the show, Steve Hall's uh, comment that he made back when we were talking about a similar subject earlier on in one of our earlier podcasts. And he said that uh, a friend of his or somebody had told him that they would never hire an architect with perfect spelling yes, because they're not that. creative. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, when it comes to the resume, I mean, Cormac, oftentimes, I mean, it it sometimes depends to a little bit on what the firm's looking for. I mean, if the firm's looking for somebody with some experience um, that, you know, in a, in a particular. So in other words, you know, you may be coming right out of college and you may have the most spectacular resume. But if the firm's not looking for that level of person then, you know, it won't make any difference. And so uh, I guess what I'm just saying that that depending on the job that the firm is looking for will have a lot to do whether you get that call. Now, that being said, if they're looking for an entry-level person, say, coming right out of college or having just graduated college, um, you know, then then you do have to make sure, you know, always everything has to be spelled, you know, spelled correctly and such. But, um, but, but doing that or having that resume that stands out oftentimes is, you know, what's on that resume and, and how does, you know, what suggestions could we give to students out there that, uh, uh, that would help their resume stand out beyond just, I mean, everybody seems to be a graphics pro today and, you know, graphically your resume is probably going to look really good. Um, but I, I think one th- suggestion I would make is make it readable. Well, yeah, and and I'm actually glad you asked that because you you say, you know, everybody's a a graphic genius and this that the other. You we all would like to think that. 
of ourselves that, oh man, you know, I went to architecture school. I can do graphics like nobody's business. Guess what? That usually means that those are the people who are going to overdo the graphics on their resume. Not their portfolio, their resume. Yeah, They're simple, just simplify, simplify. Simplify, simplify, simplify. <laughs> Clean and simple, readable. If you want to maybe arrange the columns or whatever or, or do something that's that makes it stand out but is still very crisp, clean, and simple, then please do that. Well, but well, then, Cormac, I, I what are you, you I, looking I, for when you look through these stacks of resumes? Well, what information are you looking for that's going to make one stand out above the other beyond just the, the graphic look of it? I mean, if we want it to be clean and readable, what should that, what should that text say? What does it need to present? Can I, can I butt in here? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, okay. First of all, the, the outline of a traditional resume, I think does not apply. Uh, We should not have an objective on our resumes. Absolutely. Because we all know what our objective is. We should, yeah. We're all going for the same job. Architecture. We, We should not have a list of every job you've ever had. It should be relevant experience. You should list references if they're asked for. You shouldn't say right. um, references Available upon request. request. No kidding, right? Yeah. We, we know that. Um, and then I, I like to see something that shows that you can think. So maybe there's yeah. a sketch on your resume, or maybe there's little graphs that show how good you are in five different programs because you know honestly people are looking for how good you are in certain pieces of software oh yeah yeah so maybe instead of saying i am an expert in autodesk revit and adobe photoshop and adobe illustrator and adobe indesign and yeah we know who makes all the programs you don't have to put the little trademark symbols after each one (laughs) exactly but you do it would be nice to see something different right and so something that i've seen recently is somebody did little kind of neat looking pie charts of what level they felt they were in each program. And they're not an expert in everything. Nobody is an expert. I, I, I claim to know a medium amount of many different programs. I, I, I might be considered an expert compared to somebody else, but I'm not an expert. I don't know at all. So I, I think something that shows that you're thinking of ways to present your skills in a different way can help you stand out. Um, and then, you know, Again, like what Cormac was saying, simple color. Maybe there's a little color on it. Maybe there's uh, something that makes the whole thing more readable when it comes to the layout. And that's that's it. I mean, like, it's a first impression. It's not going to get a thorough comb over to see exactly what's going on in there. But it's it might be the thing that actually gets you a phone call. Right. Oh, and I don't know if you guys agree with me or not on this, but sweet Jesus Please don't put that you were a fry cook at McDonald's when you were in high school. You're yeah, going relevant for architecture jobs. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And if you don't have any, it's okay to not have any. I mean, you if you're it depends on what level you're at. Um and and so just it needs to be appropriate for the job. Fair enough. Right. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So you get that call. Now, uh I I'll, I'm going to preface this a little bit. When I was in at, at Cal Poly, uh, I went away for my fifth year and spent that year over in Italy. Did some hard time. 
did some hard time in 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 Italy, Florence, Italy. Yeah, it was, it, it was tough. You know, that sounds it, like it's a hard. rough place. Yeah. Somebody, you know, somebody had to take that bullet. So, anyway, um, traditionally in that last year, you're you're working on not only your project, but you're you're building a portfolio to uh, go out and start interviewing on jobs. You know, before you graduate and. So hopefully you've, you know, if you don't already have a firm that you interned at before that you can, um, that you can go and, you know, kind of show them your, your work. Well, in my case, because I was overseas for that whole year, I I never did that. And I had worked for, you know, for other firms for a number of years before I even finished college for, for, for several years before I went to college and during college and after, and just just after. So, um, you know, ironically enough, I never took the time to sit down and and put together a quote unquote portfolio in a book in a, in kind of a book format, because every time I went for a job, it was always, I could show, you know, say a set of drawings here, here's a, you know, a set of construction drawings I did. And, and going back to what you guys were saying, making your, your experience or your, um, relevant information. I was going for a job to help do construction drawings basically in firms. So, um, that's what I would show them. Hey, I can come in here and I can be productive. Hey, that's what they wanted to see. So I've never had any sort of nice, fancy sort of quote unquote portfolio. So, you know, what I did for this interview was to kind of think about like, okay, well, what are they looking for? In my case, they were looking for a project architect who can, you know, take a drawing from design all the way through construction drawings um, and, and do the whole package. And so what I brought them was essentially that I showed them some of my own projects that I had done. I showed them you know, uh, preliminary sketches and, des- and design, uh, options that I presented my clients and that I had done by hand and, and also, um, you know, then said, okay, well, you know, here's these different examples. And then that became this set of construction drawings. And then I pulled out my iPad and showed them actual photos of the projects completed. And I kind of did that for two or three projects kind of mm-hmm. showing them slight variations on a theme, but but basically that I could take a project, design it, get the construction drawings, get the permit, and you know, here's the here's the the photos at the end. And so that's kind of what I did. Um I don't know what you what what do we suggest other people do? Or did I do something completely wrong here? Well yes. let me ask Okay, I'm great. Oh, I don't <laughs> Well real quick, I'm confused about something. You said that when you we're coming out of Cal Poly and you were showing all of this stuff. You pulled out your iPad. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. I, I if was I misunderstood. Say, was that made of stone? <laughs> no, I was using my Newton back then, but, uh, um, something else I got to put in the show notes now. Um, <laughs> for those that don't remember anyway, no, no, that when I came out of college, I brought construction drawings basically that I had done for other firms and said, you know, look here, here's what I can do. Um, uh, I didn't, I wasn't trying to show them pretty design photos that, or, or uh, design projects that I did in school because they weren't looking for that. They were looking for, Hey, can you come in here and get some construction drawings done for us? Um, well, before, and Okay, go ahead. I was going to say before, because uh, I want to hear, because you had asked the question, did you do something wrong? And 
Right. Evan answered yes, and I want to hear what he had <laughs> no, to say. No, he's messing around. He's just messing with <laughs> me, like normal. But you know, there's. But I, I am curious though. I mean, well, what we've what a... do you expect to see people come into an interview and it's... present their work? I mean, there's two different types of interviews or okay. interviewees, and so we got to kind of preface how we respond to this in two different ways okay there's the fresh out of college to maybe two three year experience interviewee actually there's the fresh out of college one so you know that they're really not going to be bringing you anything unless they've worked for a firm for a little bit and you know they just kind of show a little bit of work experience otherwise they're going to really be coming with nothing but their schoolwork right and it's it's okay and we can have a conversation about how to present the schoolwork. And then there's the, you know, we're hiring somebody with experience. And what does that person bring? Because they're two completely different um, interviewees. And you're looking for two completely different things from them. All right. Well, let's start with the, the college student. What do you look for if you're looking for, uh, you know, a college student who, who mainly who may not have worked for a firm or maybe they did intern a summer or two, but, uh, but they're mainly just, just have their college work to show. What, what do we recommend that they, how do they do? I mean, do they just go all iPad and just show animations and, and everything? Or do we print something out and put it in a book or what? I like the printed book version. Okay. The reason why I like it and people may think that it's old school, you know, now that we're getting well, into you the are old, age. so you know. But the reason why is because I, first of all, we will be generating print copy to present to clients, to present to um, potential clients, future clients, past clients, present to you know award boards and all this other stuff. I mean, we as digital, as digitally oriented as the architecture profession is now. We use a lot of paper. Yeah. And I like to see a paper portfolio because I'd like to see how they can arrange it, how they can put it together, how they can clarify their thoughts on paper, because that's going to tell you a lot on how they can clarify, you know, like convey their thoughts um, for work that you're going to ask them to do from probably from the start all the way through. Because you're coming out of college some of the programs you know the most photoshop indesign you know illustrator and all this other stuff and those tools can really help you um get your thought across and have it clean and crisp and clarified and all this other stuff and for me what's the big turnoff is when you're coming out of school and what you try to do is basically fit everything that you have done into that portfolio. And so if you did a quick scribble or you did this or you did that, and there, you just try to throw everything and the kitchen sink into your portfolio without a real coherent thought, you're just trying to show stuff. It It's all about the presentation and layout. Well, and I think you want, you want, I don't know if it matters how, what age you are, or what, what level you are. You want to be able to kind of construct a narrative 
mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that can take somebody through a process. And the graphics should support the narrative, but the narrative should not be about the graphics. Correct. Or the drawings, even. I mean, well, it's and you, you kind of want the pieces to the puzzle, and you have to figure out what that puzzle is. And and again, I don't know that it matters what level you are. You want to go, and you alluded to this earlier, Neil. You want to go in there with with a plan. And, and this is, I was talking earlier with my wife about what we were going to be talking about tonight, and and she had all kinds of ideas of, of things we could talk about. But I think the one that really came across was that you go in. Um, it's kind of like buying a car, right? If you show up to the dealer and you don't know what you're doing, right? And you're, you're set on buying a car, you're going to get, you're going to get reamed by the car salesman, right? But if you go in there with a bunch of research that you've done ahead of time, you know how much the car costs the dealer, you know what the destination charge is, you know how much you can pay, you know what your down payment is, and you've done all that research, you're probably going to walk away with a pretty good deal on a car. They can't, pull the wool over everybody's eyes. You get to do the same thing when you're going and looking for a job. You're interviewing them as much as they're interviewing you. And you've done your research on the website. You've talked to somebody who works there. You know the, what the struggles are and how you might be able to help solve them, um, depending on the level, again, that you're, you're going in for. And I think if you're able to construct a narrative around things that really matter, the things that you can really bring to the table and the value that you can add to their firm, and you can say that in an eloquent way, I think that those are the types of things that everybody would be impressed with and walk away from an interview feeling like, man, as long as you fit with the culture and the people in that firm, you have a really good shot at getting that position. Right. Now, you know, it's funny is that we were sort of doing the same thing, um, you know, with my wife too and we were talking about things and and I started thinking about um questions that are typical questions that we ask um in an interview and if you think about kind of like those standard typical questions that you would be asked that's kind of how you prepare you know it's you know what you know if you've been on an interview or if you've practiced, like, say, at a um, at one of these uh, job fairs or something that um, hopefully every school does, you know, for all of their, uh, you know, because we used to do job interviews or we used to do mock interviews. We used to do job fairs where you can give people you know, feedback on portfolios it, and exactly. all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, so you're going to know kind of the very standard questions that are going to be asked you and that's how you can kind of frame your presentation to your potential employer um well i think the important thing there is to know what sort of job you're going for uh at at any particular firm and if you're just coming out of college you know you're you're well you you're setting it you know what type of job you want and hopefully the firm that you're interviewing with has that job. Otherwise you probably shouldn't be interviewing there. Yeah. And so I think, I think you need to take, you know, um, and and it's almost like customizing your portfolio. Absolutely. For every single interview, because you want the documents and, or the drawings or examples or photos that you're going to show 
them during the interview to create that narrative to answer their questions. How and that and that question at the end of the day really boils down to how can you help the firm be productive and make money? Right. Right. I'm actually glad you said that because the way that we as you know architects go after jobs when we're interviewing for jobs for with potential clients say it's a school board or say it's you know um a large-scale residential client and stuff we always taper our presentation to them on relevant work to them sure absolutely and it's and it works the same way when you're interviewing with them you know you've got to know about the firm you got to know who you're interviewing with so you got to do a little bit of research to find out well, what does this firm do? I'm going to go work for yeah. Neil Pan Architects. Well, what does Neil Pan Architects do? Let's figure that out first. Let's try to know a little bit about the people you're going to, you know, interview with. Because yeah, know what market segments they work in. Yeah, yeah, you have to know all that kind of stuff. And I also think that at the end of the interview, something that is maybe obvious, maybe not. I'm assuming you're going to be interviewing there because you want the job, but you should ask for the job. You should have the excitement and go in there and say, I am really excited about the possibility of working here. And and you don't walk out without saying that. And it goes the same with what you were saying, Cormac, when you're interviewing with clients, you also need to ask for the job. Well, you know, then there's the, so, when you're fresh out of school, you're, you know, you're interviewing because you want a job, you want experience. Um, so what you really should be asking for in kind of framing questions, because you should go in with a set of questions as well, you know, because they're going to ask you tons of questions, but they're going to also expect you to, because there's always that famous, you know, so do you have any questions for me? And people are like, uh... Uh, um, oh, I've, I, I've got few. You know, we'll get there. You know, but that's right. Neil's had some coaching here, but, but what you should do when you're fresh out of school and Neil, maybe this is a good time for you to punch in on that, but you should go in there because you're not only just looking for a job, but you're also looking for somebody who's going to mentor you. Somebody's going to, you know, help you, help you start framing your future career. And so you've got to, you should interview them on how are you going to help me become, you know, the architect of the future that you're wanting me to be? How are you going to help me, you know, progress my career as much as how I'm going to help you become a better firm by me being there kind of thing? Yeah, so absolutely. I, I think that's, that's, uh, you're interviewing them as much as they're interviewing you. Uh, and, and you really should go in with, um, that sort of enthusiasm. I I don't want to say attitude. Don't go in with that sort of attitude, but go in with that sort of enthusiasm that, uh, you really want to work there and you really want to know, uh, what are the things that they do to, that are going to help you as well. So, but let's, let's, I'm going to ask another question here about what do you wear to an interview today? Because... I went into this interview, pants, pants. Yes, definitely wear, <laughs> wear pants. Um, even on no pants day, wear pants. Um, Those toe shoes, no flip flops. And no flip flops. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, 
but but I mean, I think to a certain extent, uh, things are a little more casual. Uh, maybe I don't know. I wore a dress shirt, um, and and a coat. I didn't wear a tie. And one of the first comments the the gentleman said to me was, "Oh, you're overdressed." <laughs> I was, well, my only response to that was, "Well, I didn't wear a tie." You know, but uh, I, I thought that was kind of an odd comment. But okay, you know, I thought I'd I at least it depends. look it dep- professional. You know, it depends I, on the firm. You're not going to walk into SOM and, and and not be in a suit and tie. Okay, fair enough. Well, this um, definitely so, wasn't SOM. So, but I mean, so, so what? So to- how do you tailor that? Well, when I moved to DC, and I was interviewing, it was totally uncharacteristic of me but I wore a suit to every interview that I went to. I was overdressed for some, and they looked at me, of course, like, ooh, look, we're hiring an undertaker. You know, um, you can't, unless Man, you... Man, I paid good money for those photos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Denim, denim button-up shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Don't give him any ideas. <laughs> yeah, no. Um you know, it's really hard, unless you really know the firm, it's really hard to... It's better you know, to be overdressed than underdressed. It, it, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you may, you know, and, and we always get the same thing with, uh, um, you know, they we hire them and they come in for like the first week and they're all, you know, well-dressed and, you know, they're wearing a tie and everything else. And then they start realizing... Well, yeah, the culture's wearing, different. Yeah. Right. You know, so then they get used to, you know, kind of how it is, but you, you can never honestly be overdressed and, and it may, there, there may be people out there. Oh, that's crap. You know, um, I mean, hell I, I went into, um, I don't know if you ever heard of the firm Scoggamelum and Bray. Um, they're a, uh, firm out of Atlanta. And when we were in school, we had went and toured their office. Now, if we hadn't toured their office and I was going in for a job interview, I would have walked in there in probably a suit and tie or, you know, business casual with a sport coat or something like that. That, But when we met um, Max Guckin, he comes out and he's wearing blue jeans with holes in the knees. He was wearing a pair of Converse that you could see his toe hanging out <laughs> and a black t-shirt. And now, you're like, okay, I'm going to dress, you know, eventually you will be dressing, you know, comfortably like that. But you're really not going to go into a job interview for somebody and dress like that. No. You know, even though that's the environment, you're still yeah. going to dress professionally. Yeah. Because this is a professional job you're going after. This has been a very male-sided conversation so far, so we apologize. Yes, yes, we apologize I for mean, our female audience out there. Well, I mean, Neil did well, wear Well, Cormac's not going to be wearing a dress to an interview, so... But Neil did wear a skirt, because it was it's, no pants day, so, he, you know... It's a kilt. <laughs> well, that's what he tried to call it. Well, you know, I think it the... It was flowery. I think we, you know, I dressed professionally. I knew enough about the firm to know that, you know, probably a tie would have been over overkill. So I, I mean, I basically took your advice, Cormac. I, I dressed professionally, you know, business casual with a coat. And I thought that was, you know, that was appropriate. I think you should be, if, if you're the kind of person who is, who loves to wear, uh, 
fancy clothes, for lack of a better term. If you like to wear a suit and tie, then that's what you should wear. Absolutely. You yeah. want to be comfortable and confident. Um, that's not to say that that you should wear jeans and a t-shirt if that's what you're comfortable in. <laughs> but I mean, if, if that's, if you, you should to some extent be representing who you actually are, but uh, just a, a quick story that my, my friend Mark, who I work with, he, he had a great story about he, because when he goes to construction meetings, he, he always wears a suit and a bow tie and he wears that quite so often to work and into the, into the field, into the field. Into- yep. And, you know, I know a lot of guys who go to the field and they'll wear their boots and they'll, they'll wear, you know, just, you know, I was in the field today and I was wearing anything. jeans and yeah. a uh, button down sh- long sleeve shirt that is rolled up. So, okay. So maybe, maybe real quick. Why, why did you wear that? One, because I know that I'm going to be walking around the site uh-huh. and there's a lot of, you know, it's rain, it's muddy. It's, you know, I'm going to be, you are on the East coast. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's, you know, I had rain come through yesterday. The site was muddy the week before the site was, uh, you know, extremely dusty and stuff. There's no rain out here. We we are (laughs) required, we are, we are required, um, to wear, um, work boots out on site. Okay. Um, I think that can still be accomplished with a suit, but yeah. So here's why he wore that. And because he was asked by the principal of the firm when they went out together, you know, why do you, you know, don't you want to kind of talk the talk and, 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 you know, fit in and be one of the, be one of the guys when you're out there. And he said, absolutely not. When I show up to job site, I want to everybody to know that I am in charge. Nice. And that is, it was a, it was how it, it worked, you know, it, it worked very well. Um, and so I, again, I think it really depends on who you are. Um, and it depends on the image that you want to put out there too. But I thought that was a, that was an interesting take well, on it. And then let me throw one further. So that was what I, that's how I dressed today when I went to the job site. Now, yesterday when I went to the job site, pretty much the wore the same thing. Cause that's, and the yesterday is a good reason why I dress the way I do because yesterday we were, you know, touring the site. We were doing, you know, doing our walkthroughs and everything. And we were trying to talk about how to, you know, like arrange, uh, um, arrange furniture in the media center. And it was all wrong. And so what did we do? Started changing it right then and there. So I, I got down and I started doing the work. And I was the one moving all the furniture around. I was the one putting things in place. And basically the movers, the guys that were installing all the furniture, they just sat back and, you know, if I needed to move something heavy, they helped me out and just, but I mean, it was, I am, I always dress to be prepared to get in there and do whatever it takes to get the job done. Mm -hmm. And even though, yes, as architects, we're basically out there with our little roll of drawings and, you know, you make it sound so cute, you know, but you know, we're, we're, we're there to, you know, just answer questions and then kind of go out. I can't, I, I can't ask anybody to do a job that I wouldn't be willing to try to do myself, regardless of if it's, you know, Hey, come weld this thing. You know, thankfully I know how to weld, but you know, um, you know, it's, I, that's just the way I am. It's just, you know, I've always had the, uh, 
the more blue collar architect approach to you know how I go out into the field. Yeah. In fact, I I love going out into the field. I think we got severely off topic there, Neil. We Sorry. did. We did. <laughs> no, I I think no, I I I think it's very appropriate well, it's to it's, talk it's, about it's, what to wear not only, you know, once you have the job and and if you're on site, you know, but, but and also what to what to wear. I think you know what, what to wear to that interview and I think we we nailed it uh for for you know we probably didn't give any good examples for what our female listeners should wear because we don't really have any experience with that but um but i think at the well i think basically you need to dress professionally and dress dress appropriately for the job you're going for in my case um you know a tie would have been probably overkill and i wasn't comfortable wearing a tie so I didn't want to go there, but I felt uh, it was appropriate. And for the position that, uh, and who I am, you know, a sport coat would be appropriate for that. And, um, you know, I, I think if I'd gone in in a suit and tie, it would have been overdressed. Would that have been wrong? No, probably not. Uh, cause like we say, I don't think you can be overdressed, but, uh, but I didn't think it would have been appropriate. So I went with my gut and, you know, pretty much I was right. Uh, other than if I'd probably gone in in jeans and a shirt, uh, probably would have been okay too. But Look, if you, that's not the message I wanted to send. There's there's the old adage of dress for the job you want, not for the job you have. And honestly, if you don't have a job and you're going to for a job interview, you dress for the job you want, which yeah. you know is the boss's job. <laughs> um, but I mean, you know, I, I always look at it this way. At least I can prove to them that if we ever have to go on some event where we do have to dress up, I at least own one suit. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right. So, so let's talk a little bit about what you should ask them. I mean, you're you're going to be asked a lot of questions, and and uh, you know, hopefully you've had that experience through going through the. Uh, the job fairs or, or through interviews. I mean, part of the reason I took this job and, or took this interview, um, I, I wasn't sure I was going to have much of a shot at it anyway. Um, and so I don't really expect, expect it to hear much, uh, about this or, or any further on it, but I wanted to go just because it's been a long time since I've, I've been on my own for five years. So I was just kind of curious, what are people looking for? What are people offering? Um, and, and just kind of go through that experience. And, and so since I hadn't done this in, in quite a number of years, I really had to spend, you know, I probably spent about a good four hours the night before just going through and creating that narrative that you spoke of, Evan. Um, and how do I show the work that I have done in a narrative that would answer the questions that they would have basically, can Neil do the job that they were looking for? Because in the email correspondence prior to the interview, I asked them, what are you looking for? What position are you trying to hire? Uh, in this case, they had contacted me up front and asked if I would be interested in interviewing uh, for a job there. And so um, in this case, I, I responded back, yes, I'd be interested. And what exactly are you looking for? So I had a rough idea go, you know, going in. And so, um, you know, that, that helped me generate that narrative and try and put together a quote unquote portfolio that would, uh, support that narrative. So, um, you know, but I also think that you need to go in there, you know, with some questions yourself and, and interview them. And I think the, 
one of the good questions that I was coached with, and this, you know, was uh, for, for a different job a number of years ago. But, uh, one of the questions that I was coached to ask was, you know, asking them to describe the position you were looking to fill here. Now I had already done that basically through the email prior. So I had a good idea, but if you're going in, you know, you, you sent a resume into a firm and they call you in. And if you don't have that opportunity before, you know, that's a good question to start off with, find out what they're looking for. And then even, you know, that should be an, a question to ask very early because then you might, then you have the opportunity to go through your portfolio in the interview and maybe skip over some things that are not necessarily relevant to that narrative and point and highlight the things that are. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think that allows you to keep it as brief as possible. I mean, everybody's time there is valuable and you should oh. show respect for that. Um, I also think it, it's a good idea to go in there with kind of a, this is something that my wife and I talked about also is going in there with a plan mm. of, of what, what are you going to do your first day? What are you going to do your first week? What are you going to do there your first month? What are ways that you're going to figure out how you can do your job the best? I think that something you definitely want to show when you're in there is, is your initiative and your motivation to bring value to that company. Like Neil said, to make money for them. I mean, that's, that's really, it's going to be your, it's going to be more on you than you probably think to figure out what to do um, and be self-directed those early stages of, of your employment. Because a lot of times, you know, you're walking in and you're going to ask somebody, okay, what do I do next? You know, and then you're going to finish that task and then you're going to walk up and say, okay, I'm done. And they're super busy people who are working there. And it's like the last thing that I want to do with somebody who's a new hire is is hold their hand for every single task that comes along. And so that that's well, some, some extra advice that I could yeah. give. Along those lines, um, you one of the other things you should do before you go in, and I know we've we've mentioned do your research, but if they've done, you know, buildings or projects in your area, um, you know, go out and visit them, make some mental notes uh, about, uh, say, a specific detail or something about that project that impressed you, um, that you liked, and bring that up during the interview. Say, you know, you know uh, as I was preparing to come in here, I went out and saw such and such building. I really, you know, liked or found it interesting how you addressed this particular problem or this design challenge, you know, and then ask them how they did that. You know, that shows them that you're interested not only in just having a job there, but in how they think, how they solve problems, what's their philosophy for approaching a project or how they and how they uh, deal with uh, issues that come up. Um, so I think that's uh, something if you have that opportunity is really good uh, to do up front. And it also helps to show that potential employer that you care enough to actually, you know, do a little research on them and find, you know, because they're not really going to do as much research on you as you are of them. Although that is much easier these days. But yeah. And they might not even read your resume before you sit down to talk to them. <laughs> but they might have read your Facebook. Right. Neopan is enjoying a pants-free day. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. <laughs> no. But, you know, well, another question to ask, 
in addition to, you know, asking if they could describe the position they're looking to fill. But I think another question that I was coached about was asking them to describe the person that would fill that job. It's an interesting question to ask them to, because it kind of throws it back in their court a little bit like, well, who is it that you're looking for? Not only describing the position, but what's that person like? Who is that person? Um, and that gets them thinking a little bit. Uh, it might actually give you, you know, a few minutes to think, think about how to respond to their next question. But, um, I I think that's a a very interesting question to ask them, uh, because it gets them, they might not even have thought about that. And so now they're going to have to think about it. And you're the one that's causing them to think about it. it shows that you're thinking, you know, that you can think for yourself and that you're, you know, you're prompting them for, for information. Well, there's three different things, right? There's, there's the type of person they're looking for, then there's the job description, and then there's the actual tasks that, that, that you're going to be doing if, should you get the job. And a lot of times those aren't uh, all figured out ahead of time. Uh, usually we know what types of tasks you're going to be doing a lot more so than what the, the job posting is looking for. You know, a lot of job postings are pretty generic. We're looking for enthusiastic people right. who are you know, problem solvers and, you know, it's self-starters, self-start. Yeah. <laughs> Self-motivated. So I, I think a good questions to ask are things like, what, what do you see me doing on a daily basis? What do you see me doing on a weekly basis? What would my chances be f- to move up? How could I take on more responsibility? What, what could I show you very quickly so that I can move up to the next level? I mean, as people working in this field i mean really the key to growth is continually taking on more responsibility so it's up right, to it's going right. to be up to you to figure out how you can do that but you can get hints on what are going to be quick ways for you to do that specific to them you know, yeah just as a side note real quick yeah when because <clears throat> when you do get that job and I think, uh, Evan, you were saying is that, you know, these, a lot of times firms, yeah, they hire new people, but they're not, when they're put on a project team, that project team's not necessarily ready to go ahead and stop, show you exactly what you need to do, and then keep on keeping on. They have to get you integrated into the flow of what's already happening. And the best way for you to do that is to just get in there, roll up your sleeves and get working, you know, um, ask them, you know, Hey, would it be okay if I print out a set of the documents and just kind of flip through it and maybe figure out where I'm, you know, can best help you out, you know, do things like that. Be very self-motivated. Don't always wait to ask for the next thing to do because, you know, me as a project manager, when I'm, and and I've had new hires recently working with me that have kind of frustrated me because I, I don't have time to stop and keep saying, okay, you got to do this, or let me do these red lines for you, but I've got to do this, 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 and this, this first. And then they're just kind of sitting there waiting for me to kind of do some work. If, if you don't have time to actually get, you know, like for me, if I don't have time to give you work, try to find work, try to create work, try to, you know, say, 
look, I don't want to be a bother, but I really want to try to figure out how I can help you out. Be proactive in, in doing, you know, in, in finding that work. Well, one one thing you can do along those lines, Cormac, is, um, and I, I do this even now, is, um, you know, if you're in that position where, where the person, the project manager, doesn't have time to to kind of direct you or hasn't finished the red lines, um, ask for a similar project. Say, you know, uh, where's a similar project that uh, is like this, that is done? Um, show me that. Give me those plans. And then let me see if I can figure out how to do this electrical plan or, you know, um, let me, uh, you know, uh, look at the building based upon this other example. And I'll see what I'll, I'll make some suggestions on where's the best places to cut these sections. Uh, you know, you can say yes, no. And then I'll go do those and draw them just like this other project. And you may not get it all right, but at least you, you know, because if, if you don't know, at least you have then something to refer to. Hey, this is the way they've done it. This is the way, you know, this is a way to do it. And that way the project manager can sit back and go, okay, yeah, I can go get this done while they figure this other thing out. And here's an example of how it's been done in the past and they're good and you're good to go. Um, and I, I think that really shows some great initiative, um, and enthusiasm, uh, for, for how do I, how, how can I be helpful and productive? I think just to kind of play a little bit of the opposite side of what you're, what you're saying there, Cormac, I I've run into a lot of times where, um, people don't ask enough questions and they make oh, assumptions the, yeah, or they don't know how to do something. And instead of asking, they'll go Google something. And because they found it on the internet, they assume it's the right way to do it. And they implement and it, and now we have to go back and redo it because they didn't ask for, like like you were just saying, Neil, the way that this firm does things. Right, and well, that's, uh, a, that's a frustrating process to go through as well. So there there does need to be a really fine balance there. Well, getting getting Cor- back correct. to the interview um, part of this, you know, the other thing to to ask, and it it may it may be not as relevant. It, it's going to depend on. Um, the position you're going for. If you're somebody out of school, maybe this isn't as relative. If you're somebody uh, with some experience and they're looking for an experienced person. But one of the questions that was told to me was to ask about what is the firm's expectations for the next, you know, number of years, five or 10 years uh, for this, you know, for the position that they're looking for, for this individual or position that, that they're looking to hire for. And again, that, that may, may not be as relevant in today's uh, economy because I think a lot of firms are going to say, well, we really don't know, you know, uh, if we're even going to be around in five or 10 years. I mean, based upon everything that's been going on, the market's very different now. Um, You know, but, but hopefully that firm, I think what that question though is trying to go after is, is does the firm have a plan a longer term plan of where they want to be and where they want you and what your involvement or that position's involvement is going to be in that five to 10 years. And I think what it also tells the firm is that, Hey, I'm not seeing this necessarily as a stepping stone where I'm going to jump from one firm to the next firm to the next firm. And, uh, you know, it's like, no, there's a, I'm thinking longer term I'm going to commit a part of my life to this firm. And that's really kind of that question kind of shows a little bit of that as well. So, um, and firms, firms want to hear that, you know, they don't want to just hire somebody and put a lot of money and effort and time into training them. 
And then they, you know, 18 months later, they skip to the next firm. Yeah. Well, with that, another thing that they should ask, and this is, now we've kind of focused all of the questions that you should be asking your potential employer, you know, but I, I think that one that's even equally as important is asking them about the work environment, asking them about, you know, how they get involved with the community, asking them how they work on, you know, team building and, and things like that. You know, the culture, yeah. The, the culture of the firm, because you're, you know, you're not, I mean, we spent eight hours plus, you know, um, a day there. I think that's it, a question you should ask. Or, what's or, the well, what's the expectation? Well, you know, for and, hours. And actually, worked. that that is actually a very important thing to ask because you are going to have firms, and it's going to probably be every firm out there that is going to have an expectation that whatever it takes to get the job done, they're going to expect you to do. But they're you know, and they're going to expect you to sacrifice your time and things like that well and it depends where you are in your life right so if you have a family maybe you can't hang with that i i have a friend who went to work for a firm and they didn't have enough work to fill up 50 percent of his time he was supposed to be there full time but they expected him to be there for 10 hours a day six days a week they had an expectation that you would even be there on saturday and and he's like but i don't have anything to do you guys don't have work for me and they just like smile and nod. Okay, so we'll see you Saturday. Wow. <laughs> but okay, so there are firms like that, and people need to know that there are firms like that. And you, and it, you don't want to get a job and then find out that the culture is completely different than what you were expecting. Well, along those along those lines, there are a couple of questions that I was coached on. Was um, What's the daily routine of, of the individual or the, you know, of the individual you're looking to hire? You know, what's that daily routine? Um, what's their, how do they move a project through the office? Um, you know, were, were both questions that I was coached in to ask. And then also to um, another question, and this is something that I think is, is important depending on what, what your interests are. Um, but, you know, you can ask them what's their philosophy in supporting their employees' involvement in different professional organizations and or events. You know, I mean, some firms are just going to be like, yeah, we're all into that. And, you know, we'll we'll pay for you to go to different events, um, you know, like the AIA conference or something like that. And then some firms are going to be like, yeah, we're, we're just not into that. We don't we don't reimburse our employees and we don't really support them to do that. And, you know, if you have an interest in things like that, or, or if you don't, it's good to know what that firm's, you know, philosophy of support is for that. And also too, getting back to what you guys just said, you know, what is that daily routine? Is there an expectation that you're going to be there, you know, 10 hours a day, six days a week, or, you know, ask them. And those are, those are great questions because you, you want to know those things before you accept the job. And I think another thing to speak about beyond that is benefits or things that are above and beyond what what your salary is going to be or your hourly rate. I mean, there's firms out there that will pay for your exams if you pass them. Right. Maybe you've got every other Friday off. Um, there's all kinds of things that play into 
um, how much you get back out of the company that are different than salary, and they can help balance out things like that. Well, along those lines, another question to ask, because we're, we're starting to talk about salary here, is the question that I was coached to ask was, what are you prepared to do for someone that comes in here and meets or exceeds the expectations that they have? And that, that's a kind of a way to get to at basically asking, you know, what, what kind of salary are you looking at, uh, offering for this type of position? It's a way to talk about it with that or bring it up at least without mentioning the word. So they're going to likely do a, one of two things. They're either going to say, well, you know, we're looking at, you know, in this salary range based on experience, or they're just going to completely blow it off, or they're going to come back to you and say, well, what do you expect? And I've got something here that I, I think it worked really well for me when I did it. Um, uh, as I said, I was coached really well for this interview, and I was meeting with a very serious A-type personality, and, and this the interview went was going very well. And so at this point, for this particular interview a number of years ago, I had all my drawings you know, and, and examples of work laid out on the table, and the recruiter coached me to basically, once that question came back to me, it was like, well, what are you expecting? Instead of throwing out a number, which, you know, could uh, either torpedo your entire interview or, or they'll be like, yeah, we're going to get this guy for a steal uh, or person for a steal, is that he coached me to have me take my hand, lay it on top of the drawings that are sitting there on the desk, and basically say, based on my proven track record and abilities, I'm sure you will make me a fair and equitable offer. And you just leave it like that. And that way you're not throwing out a number to them where, you know, now they've got something to work with. It's like, no, nope, you're going to throw the ball, ball right back in their court. You put your hand on your drawing and say, look, this is what, this is what I can do. So make me the fair and equitable offer. And I thought that was just brilliant. And it worked really well for me when I did do it. And, uh, you know, so I, I'm going to throw that out there for people as a recommendation to, you know, give that a shot and, and let us know how it works for you. you sh yeah. And you should also ask about bonus potential. You should ask about vacation. A lot of times, maybe the salary is not negotiable, but a lot of these other things are. Yeah. Especially yeah. if you've been in the business for a while, you know, if you're coming back, you're coming in at a higher level and typical is two weeks vacation. You could probably easily negotiate for three weeks or higher. And, and because that's a, that's a longer, that's farther out there. That's not an immediate thing. And so it's easier for, for potential employer to say yes to something like that. You know, the other thing to, to consider now, this is uh, for people that have probably been in the workforce for a little while, not not so much for the uh, person coming right out of school. But, you know, on your resume, you're going to have, uh, you know, at least the experiences that you've had and whether or not that's a list of where you've worked uh, over the years. But um, and I think that this question's a little bit easier to answer because of what's happened in the economy over the last five years. But before the economy completely tanked, 
uh, it was important when, you know, if you had a job and you were there for a year, two years, you know, and you bounce to another job and you bounce to another job and you bounce to another job. Um, it was, it, it's very important to know, or at least have answers for why you left those other firms. <laughs> What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. And, and it may be nothing's wrong with you. You may have perfectly valid reasons and you need to have those thought out before you go into the interview. I literally took yeah. note. I mean, I, I, I brought in, you know, a page of notes of my questions that I wanted to ask and some notes to refer to if questions came up. And, um, and I did, I, I referred back to them and I told them, gave them short, brief, reasonable reasons why I left a firm. And, um, you know, nowadays, and I, and in fact, you know, I, I was asked this question at the, the interview I went to was like, well, uh, you, you know, you seem to bounce around uh, a little bit, uh, you know, right around 2007, 2008, 2009. I had three different jobs over those, that two, roughly two year period. And, um, and I, you know, in this case, my answer was very simple. Well, the economy, <laughs> I mean, I got laid off from one position. I got laid off from another one. And oh, by the way, each, you know, one firm completely closed. Another firm went from 40 people down to about six uh, you know, about six or eight months later. And, uh, you know, so, I mean, it, it, it was very easy to answer those questions. The economy devastated the workplaces that I had. And so, um, or a couple of them that I, but you were ready to at. answer that question, but I was ready to answer those because but it, yeah, yeah, it's a good chance that'll come up. Absolutely. And, and that oh, may yeah, be yeah. less significant, as I said, now, because you can always, you know, kind of default back to the economy. Um, because it, even if you were good or are good, you know, you, you bring a lot of value, uh, a lot of people, uh, that are, were excellent and firms didn't want to let go, had to let go. Yeah. So, um, so that, you know, that, that's something that is a reflection of what's happened over the last few years. But I think it's good to have that in your back pocket to know why, or maybe they're going to stretch back and maybe they're, you know, if you've got a longer history of work experience, they, they may stretch back, you know, before the economy tanked and look at, you know, where were you or why, why did you move around, say from, you know, 2001 to 2007, two or three times. And you need to have answers for those uh, that seem reasonable other than, yeah, I completely screwed up and they hated me or, you know, whatever it might have been. So hopefully it wasn't that I completely dropped the ball and, you know, now I'm going to try and make amends. Yeah, that's not a good answer. <laughs> All right. So let me ask a uh, quick one. What are some of the questions that they asked you without, you know, having to go through detail, but I mean, what are some of the questions that you remember them asking you? So as a common, you know, so we can, I, I'd like to throw out, basically, I'd like to kind of like throw out what are some typical questions in a, an interview yeah. uh, to the people who are listening. <laughs> and please talk so, about how you overcame a particular, you know, I mean, cause you're going to be like, please tell us about yourself, you know? You know, and things like that, or, you know, how did you hear about our firm and, you know, why do you want to, you know, work for us? I mean, so what were some of the questions that they well, asked you? Yeah. In, in this case, I didn't get those types of questions because they sought me out. And so it was, I didn't have to answer those and I wasn't even asked. So they really asked like, 
okay, so if we hire you, will you wear pants to the office? No, actually, I was... with the pants. I, I don't know what it is. Because he's always talking about... Because <laughs> he's made comment before about not wearing pants. Yes, it's so, advantage uh, of working sometimes uh, on your own in your own office. You know, it, it can be a short stay. Uh, I was asked some very bizarre questions, actually, to be honest with you. Um, you know, one you of like them... Zebras? No, no. I was asked... Um, uh, gosh, what was it? Um, can you, no, wait, do you know how to measure a house? And I just thought that was a strange question because several of the projects I was showing them or, you know, two of the three were remodeled. The, the firm that I was interviewing with is mainly does remodels and additions with some, uh, you know, maybe two or three new houses a year. And that's the, that's most of their, the bulk of their work. So the, the work I was showing them was some remodels and additions that I had done over the last four or five years. Are you kidding? I measure houses for fun. And, um, I measure houses in my sleep. You know, I thought that was kind of an odd question because I'm, I'm showing them projects that I had to go measure and draw up. And so I just thought that was kind of strange. I, my one comment. <laughs> Have uh, you been paying attention? Yeah. Well, yeah, I kind of wanted to go there, but I thought I'd be polite. I did make mention that the best investment I made was the $100 I spent for a laser uh, to measure, you know. Um, and, and of course, that, that got an immediate response of, I still use a tape measure. I don't need that fancy, you know, laser <laughs> stuff. It's like, okay. Um uh, yeah, I guess I'm not Did getting you ask any... him, does he find it hard to measure with his walker? <laughs> uh, no, I, you know, I, I kind of seriously was interested in the job, but so I didn't want to go quite that far. But, uh, you know, I was asked that question. I was asked uh, about my ability to draw um, and, you know, and, and which actually worked out really well because I was at a part in my presentation where I flipped on the iPad to basically photos of sketches of uh, schematic design and bubble layouts and how I took, uh, you know, those bubble diagrams and kind of morphed them into pencil line, you know, drawings of the houses, which eventually morphed into, you know, the actual construction or, you know, design, final design drawings. And so it was like, yeah, um, you know, I'm old school. I can actually draw. I can actually sketch, and 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 I showed him those things. So, because uh, they're they're real big on that at at the firm at this firm. So, um, but so I wasn't really asked a lot of the kind of standard um, uh, questions that that one might expect. Now, granted, too, I'm also not a kid out of college, and so I'm probably not going to be asked some of those uh, basic philosophy. You know, tell us about yourself sort of questions. But those do come up and you should have answers for them. I mean, be prepared to answer that type of stuff. You don't want to be stumbling and bumbling around through your interview. You want to to have answers for those. Yeah, you've got to just be comfortable talking about yourself. And for some people, that's really hard, actually. You know, and that's actually the biggest thing is feeling comfortable. You know, a lot of people don't go on interviews every day. and, And so just having, you know, because they're going to want, you to talk about you. They're going to want you to feel confident in the responses that you give. And it just doesn't come natural to, you know, everybody. Yeah. I know my first few, I probably fumbled all around. It got to the point where, you know, once I was, you know, it had advanced in my career and all that other stuff that I had 
things to talk about. Right. Um, right. You know, so, you know, do a little bit of research. I mean, there's, there's tons of, you know, things that you can Google to find out what kind of typical questions would be asked and kind of practice them, look at them, you know, kind of what are the typical questions asked at an interview and, and they're going to give you a list and, you know, go through them, you know, just, just kind of practice. Cause say them out loud. They, yeah, say it. May, yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, one of the things we had to do here in California, um, is take the, or, uh, supplemental exam, which until what, two or two years ago or so was an oral exam. And the hardest part of that exam was not, do you know the material, but can you effectively communicate that material to a panel of three you know, poker face judges on the other side of the table. It sounds like an interview. It, it yes, it does. Yeah. And so what I'd recommend is, you know, uh, like as Cormac just said, you know, Google some typical questions, have some, uh, prepared responses and then practice them out loud. As Evan just said, you know, you, whether it's, you know, have your spouse ask you or a friend or a fellow, you know, coworker or college friend or roommate or something and sit down across the table have them ask you those questions. It's going to feel funny. I know it felt funny for me when I practiced my, uh, you know, take or did the practicing for my oral exam in, in California to get my license. And it's very strange to have your coworkers sit across the table and say, okay, well answer this. And you're sitting there going, Oh crap, I don't remember. So it's awkward, but the more you go through that, like anything, the more you practice at it, the, the sharper and better you'll be at it. And I think that'll help a lot with your confidence once you're in that interview. Good advice. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think with that guys, uh, we're probably at the end of our time here. Sounds good. All right. So if you have any questions or comments, please visit the website at arcaspeakpodcast.com. There you'll find links to our individual Twitter accounts and the Arcaspeak podcast Facebook page, not the, not the face page, but the Facebook page, which, uh, <laughs> by the way, we, we, we want to say thank you to those, uh, listeners that have actually been posting a few comments. We've with the last week or so, we've gotten some comments on the, on the Facebook page. So we appreciate that. And, uh, you know, there you can join in on our conversation. And then if you have some inspiring or horror story of an interview to share, please cool. call the Arca Speak <laughs> podcast line at 415-484-8496. And uh, it, you know, we won't share it on the show if you, if you tell us not to, but, uh, but it would be fun to do that if, you, if you've got something like that. And if you haven't already done so, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps get the word out about the show and uh, gets us a little bit higher on that uh, iTunes uh, search list. So we really appreciate those. Yep, absolutely. And if you uh, don't want to leave a voice message, you'd rather type it all up and take your your time. uh, A a good place to do that is either in the comments on the website for this episode, which is going to be arcaspeakpodcast.com slash episodes slash 38. Um, or if you subscribe to the, the email show notes, there's a link right in there to add your comments to the page. Um, or add them to our Facebook page. It would be fun to hear your uh, interview stories. That would be very cool. That would be great. Yeah. So everyone, st- uh, thank you for listening. Stay subscribed. All right. Good night. Until next time. Good night.